Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The quarter will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So, Katal, when you drive, when you go to the park, are you going with your, I feel I have to ask now, because your dog has been getting more airtime. So, are you leaving your dog at home, or are you bringing your dog with? No, I think for this meeting, like, he's going to have it meet along with him, because, yeah, he's sure, like, Lenny, he's not, he feels like anyone's not going to just attack me out of the blue, but just, he's still a bit paranoid, that's like, just a little extra protection, it is not going to hurt. Okay. And we'll say for all three characters who are involved in the scene right now, we'll say that you guys are meeting up like at eight. And we'll say just to kind of talk to put everything on the same timeline, we'll say that like around this time is when Warren snapped out of his, you know, his incident I just had. So you get into your car, you start your car and you're driving to this park, which is kind of like a state reserve in a way, like a city reserve that that is along the Mississippi River. I've described it before. It's where... Lenny's Haven is at. You don't know it's his haven or anything like that, but that's where Lenny stores himself, I guess, for lack of a better term. When you're driving in your car, which, by the way, only has AM, FM radio and a tape deck, and you don't have any tapes, you tend to have it on local radio station kind of playing to break the monotony. As you're driving there, you hear the local radio like news come on. You hear this news story about shots that were fired on uh, 10th Avenue North, in Minneapolis last night where, you know, that, that no suspects or victims have been found, but they believe that it could either have been a drive-by shooting. They're not sure. Police are investigating. And you kind of like a little taken aback by it because you really don't hear too often of this type of stuff happening. Now you hear occasionally like in Northeastern Minneapolis or some areas of the South side of Minneapolis that shooting happened, but like 10th Avenue North, you're like, wow, dude, that's like soccer mom area. You know what I mean? That's like, like where, minivans and you know it's kind of like one of the busier streets of that area but like but there's like a mall and there's literally like a Chili's and stuff like that it's a good part of town yeah 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 it's not like the Ritz you know but yeah definitely it's like somewhere stuff like that doesn't happen and I don't see any other reason why the story would stick out to you at the moment but you just kind of hear that over the radio and you know when something like that happens in the in the Twin Cities it, it tends to attract local news radio news like that because while the Twin Cities are, you know, St. Paul and Minneapolis are large cities, you know, generally for the most part, they don't have the crime rates like a Chicago, like a New York City has or, you know, anything like that. So usually stories like this are brought to the forefront when when something like this happens for the masses to consume. As you're listening to that, you find yourself slowly, slowly leaving the confines of suburban America, you know, as you're driving down the street and you start driving down 
these streets that go through like kind of the park areas, you know, and that's one wonderful thing about this area. And I'm not saying this because you're a gangrel and you're in tune with nature or any of that hubbub, which I think is kind of ridiculous. It's the fact though that you feel this is nice in a way because you are away from humanity. You know what I mean? And that the that intruder feeling that you had in that middle class neighborhood, that quiet middle class neighborhood, not just but two nights ago, but last night, you know, when you went to go look at John South, you don't feel that. And then you also don't feel the hubbub and the threat that you feel when you are around where you live. So this is kind of a way where you're secluded and you feel you're you can be yourself, I guess, in a way. Eventually, your headlights, as they're breaking through the darkness, you get to the parking lot of this park. And you, as you get out of your car, you can see like 50 yards. You can see this grass. You see walkways go through. You kind of see like these, like, you know, seven foot lights that have like a little globe on top. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you see the Missouri River. And you're just like literally standing there and you see it. It's just like you can see the moonshine come off of it. You can see the light come off of it. You can see occasionally these lightning bugs. Here are the mosquitoes buzzing even here like the crickets you know chirping in the grass andrew would you be would 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 lenny be sitting on the bench waiting for katow no i actually i want to be unseen and then i want to roll mask of a thousand faces and approach him on my own terms so let's go ahead and do the mask of a thousand faces roll and tell me what you're trying to look like by the way at this moment um well probably like hobo guys yeah. Just kind of like a, you know, nondescript, like, like you did before. The just hor horrible, like, kind of appearance that's just, just barely within, um, you know, oh, yeah, you know, this guy smells bad and looks gross and dirty fingernails and all that kind of stuff. All right, go ahead and roll it. Well, that's, that's a failure. You see him get out of the car, and he's. We'll just say you're. We'll that scene I explained, Katal, where you're looking at the river and everything. You just don't see a figure on the bench, you know, as you're kind of looking there, and you see Katal standing there in front of his cart. I take it you didn't heal the wound either, right? You kind of have the brace on your arm, or did yeah. you heal that? Okay, yeah. And you kind of just see him standing in front of his Toyota Corolla as you hear like the engine kind of ticking, you know, when it's turned off, when it's cooling down a little bit, as he's standing there, like kind of looking at the river. Okay. Um. As he is uh, getting out, getting his bearings, and looking around, I kind of approach um, from the shadows, not directly in light, you know, uh, thinking that I'm like totally obfuscated, you know, and like masked and not completely obvious who I am, and reveal myself from the unseen presence and just be like, hey man, can you spare some change? What would you do with change? Uh, you know, yeah, come on, bro. Yeah, just I, I need some change. Come on, you can help a you can help a guy out, right? I sort of like look around. Like, is this you call me here to ask me for change? <sighs> all right, all right, all right. I gig is up. No. <sighs> so what? No, I've got some information for you. You just want to get jump jump right to the chase? Yes. Okay. All right. I can I can appreciate that kind of got stuff on my mind and just the faster we get this over with the better all right all right well i did exactly like you asked i, I looked into him a bit and your friend dunstern well i know he's not your friend excuse dunstern is an interesting fellow 
You have no idea. I kind of look up at him and cock an eyebrow and, well, wait till you hear what I have to say about him, and then you can decide. All right. Dunstern had some friends. Seemed like uh, they are subservient in some way, like he's a ranking grunt hmm. of the group. Guys by the name of Chris and Bobby Putanesca. Now, these these guys are brothers. They live together. Uh, I've got their address if you want to look into them. They, looks like they had some, uh, well, connections to your friend Jonathan. Really? Yeah, they were doing some kind of deal with him, and they seem to be very concerned with his disappearance. Now, I followed these guys, looked into what's going on with them, what they're what they're interested in. All right, and what are they interested in? Well, they're very interested in you and the company you keep and the company that Jonathan was keeping. Hmm. Certain uh, people, a pregnant woman, a Hispanic man, they want to find them for their uh, lady. Did they have? Did they say they found them or what? Uh, they had a lead. Some uh, shooting the other night. There was uh, a bunch of thugs who uh, were chasing them. What kind? Did they say who the thugs were? Did they see? Uh, no. It was, by description, a van full of black men chasing after him with uh, guns. So I don't know the specifics of that situation. But I can tell you that uh, these guys are concerned for their own safety, and they seem to be a vulnerability for this uh, Rita Giovanni, who controls them and Duncern. As you are talking, I'm just going to kind of cut to William and introduce him real quick. I wanted to give you guys a little, so rather than say you all three showed up at the same time, kind of make it a little realistic, you know? So you two are talking. Let's cut to William real quick. William, while you're walking out of your apartment, what's going on in your head right now? Like when you when 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 you're heading down, heading to the elevator so you can go get your beamer delivered to you by valet before you take off. Like what's going on in your mind? Well, William's obviously wondering what if there's anything else that they sort of found out. He's also, let's say, eager to share some of his findings, you know, Red Lady, and that it's obvious, absolutely obvious that it has something to do with this. I, I love how you say that because I'm getting the impression you are preparing us for the fact that to William, this is very real, and it might not come across as obvious yeah. to other people, but it's obvious yeah, to exactly. him that, that, that this is, okay, yeah, yeah, I love that. So you get your car. From Valley, they give you a car. What's your like? What's your, and I, I don't mean to, to 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 like get too into the weeds, but like, what's your appearance at? Like, what's your mannerisms right now after like reading that and you know you thinking that? Like, if I was to see William right now, walking, like like walking past him on the street, what would he look like? What would his mannerisms be like at the moment? He'd look. I guess he'd look very. Hmm, uh, he wouldn't be as let's say clean cut as usual you know maybe a bit messy hair and you know 
probably like a shirt that wasn't ironed or something. Just seemed a bit twitchy as well, I guess. So you get in your car. I take you're driving a little sporadically too. You're maybe not mm-hmm. like cruising. You're just kind of like with a purpose getting there. So you, when you're, you find that when you drive this fine piece of German engineering, it is running smooth. Like the gears in your head right now are running smooth with all of this, you know, like it perfectly is countered to your thought process. When you get off those streets and you start driving through those like dark streets that go through the parks, like I explained to Katow earlier, that car moves and sways and it's almost like serpentine with like the way your thought process is now, almost like as you're cutting through this darkness, like this beacon of light with this knowledge that you're ready to share, this vehicle understands it and is like getting you to your point to where you can share this. And so as you slow down and turn in this parking lot, you see Katow talking to this figure that's rather large and looming and has like, you see his back, but he has like a hoodie pulled over his head and he's sitting there talking, not quite in the light, but you know, in the shadows there, but you definitely know from Katow's like body language that like it's Katow due to the, the two, due to not only how you have interacted with them, but you feel this odd like companionship in your head to where something else in you, some presence knows that's its body language too. You two hear this fine engine sound purring of only like a beamer can like produce as it like pulls in the parking parking lot and parks next to Katow's Corolla, which is a weird contrast to the two at the moment. Yeah, they're all silent as the car pulls in and just kind of watch. And William, you you get out of the car, and I'm going to leave the scene to you guys to describe what's going on here. I don't want to interject myself. So go ahead. Scene's on you three. Hope you don't mind. I invited someone else to join us. Hmm. So, you know, William will get out of the car and probably, I assume it's not very well lit. Oh, but also he's unobfuscated, but you know what I mean? I don't know how much you can see all that. Andrew described that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he has his uh, hoodie pulled up, but not like... He's conversing and talking to someone. He's not like head down or anything like that. So as you are, you know, getting out of the vehicle and he says, you know, I invited someone else. He kind of looks again. He's thinking he's disguised. So he kind of doesn't seem like he feels a need to hide his monstrous appearance. So uh, William will assume, a, let's say, brisk pace and start walking towards the two. Ah, good evening, gentlemen. I think you really think you need to listen to what this guy has to say. I asked him to check out Rome Dunstern last night, and he's found some information that's pertinent to what we, what we, I called, talked to you about last night. I see. And you must be Lenny. You know, you're brave for an Osferatu. Am I now? Yeah, with, you know, I heard most of your kind walk among the kind masked. Yes. And you are? William Strother. He sort of, you know, extends his hand towards you. Okay. Uh, Lenny will shake his hand, and he does that, like, alpha male bullshit thing where he, like, has it... <laughs> 
<laughs> the the Trump thing where where he sort of <laughs> yeah. So he like yeah yeah yeah. And and keep in mind, uh, strength five, iron grip, specialty, potent yeah, spray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, you kind of your hand hurts. Yeah. Well, I I have fortitude though. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just saying. I'm not trying. Yeah. We're not trying to get in a roll off here or anything. I'm just saying that you know he's trying to be the yeah. alpha male, like grip real strong and just like without even like giving any kind of expression. Yes. So, I so you have looked into this case of Roman Dunstan then. Yes, as I was. Just telling Kaitao. He's got some strange company that he keeps among uh, his home. Some other cronies of their domator, Rita the Giovanni. Hmm. Yes. I would assume he, uh, he would have lackeys. Uh, anything else? Lenny kind of smiles and uh, pauses for a moment. Well, I suppose I can go over everything again. Yes. Two brothers, Chris and Bobby Putanesca. You recognize those names, William. Because mm-hmm. you recognize those names. Those are the people that Jonathan dealt, bought those guns from at the Medusa. But you didn't know anything about them being tied to like any kind of kindred or anything. So... Go ahead. I just wanted to say that. I apologize. Let me go ahead and continue on. They are... <clears throat> They're staying in a home nearby. Uh, I know where they live. And I know what they're looking into. They had some dealings with your friend Jonathan Chase. Something that I am aware of, actually. Oh, you are. Well, are you aware that... They're also looking into some other people that you might have some connections to. A pregnant woman and a Hispanic male. <sighs> They're really concerned with finding them for Rita. And but apparently They did they find didn't, them? They didn't. They said that who the ones who were shooting at them were this span of black guys. That would make things a lot easier. Mm, well, they've got connections and they know where to look. So, something tells me that if you want to know more about what might have happened to your friend and what may have happened to these people, you want to talk to them. And I can tell you where they're at. So go ahead and tell us. Well, first, do you want me to continue looking into Dunstern, seeing what else he knows? I've brought you a lot already. I can bring you more. For a price? Yeah, just pay my cab fare to get over there. <laughs> Almost sounds too good to be true. Look, you need friends. The Nosferatu. Yes, and the Nosferatu can be your friends. Mm-hmm. This is about building a relationship. I see. Well, if it's about money, William sort of takes out his wallet, you know, just casually, whatever. Couple hundred dollars, hands it to Lenny. Oh well, that should cover a couple of a uh, couple of weeks of just going over there and keeping an eye on him. I'm sure it will. And you know, if you want to buy yourself something nice, feel free. Yes, nice is my middle name. 
<laughs> Somehow I doubt that. But so we know, so we have the Putnescas. We like taking a trip over there, William. And oh. as you guys are saying this real quick, Lenny's pulling out his cell phone and he is sending the pictures he took of the brothers and the address and their car and the license plate to uh Kaitao. I don't have William's number, so I'm just sending him to Kaitao. I would say seeing some of those pictures that he took in the parking lot of Dunstern's home, like dredge up, you know what I mean? Those mm-hmm. feelings and like you do I'm sure you remember what happened that same evening when you went to go feed when you frenzied and killed that lady and you it kind of rationalized it by saying, Hey, it was because of what I witnessed at that home. So you like you see pictures of that home and I don't know, how does it make you feel to see the pictures? It definitely it definitely like makes it definitely like gets feels like anger at that. It's just like that's what that monster's place. He's gonna pay for that. And two things before I hand the scene back over to you guys. One is would it be visible that one of those pictures have like that kind of effect on you or would you try to hide it? I think it'd be visible. Like you definitely okay. see like you know Kaitao he just face just sort of like goes taunt a little bit and just just like his his grip tightens on the phone a little bit. Oh, like it tightens a little bit. I like that. So you can even hear like the plastic creak a little bit on the phone when he looks at the picture. And then second thing before I hand the scene back over to you guys, I don't know if uh William if you remember, but I don't know if you still want to talk to him about the stuff you said you're gonna talk about yeah. or not. You know. So uh scene's Maybe back on the you car, guys. actually, but you know. We'll oh, with Katal. Oh, I'll hand the scene back to you guys first. You see that, Lenny, you see that William, how he reacts to seeing the pictures. Go ahead. So William and Kaita were about to say something. And I yes, I said. I see the pictures. You see, see the reaction that he like looks at the one of the Pondeskas. Like William, feel like taking a trip over there? Yeah, let's go. Could use some action. By the way, there's actually something else I want to show you. What? He sort of pulls out this very crumpled paper. It's, it's printed out, and you recognize this. This was Chase's place. You know, it was his. What was it? Like a web of... Oh, this conspiracy web thing. Yeah. See, here here you have... Here you have Chris and Bobby, right? This is Dunstern. You see right here, that's Lady in Red. You know, in the middle. Oh, yeah, that... Ophelia right? That, right? Yeah, you see, you see the connections here, here. It's, it's obvious that, you know... If anyone would be interested in Chase, it'd be her. Maybe she's our second suspect. In fact, I'm almost sure of it. Do you have what? an idea of where she would find this? I have no idea who works for her. Forgive me, but uh, who's this lady in red? <sighs> That's a long story. Uh, suffice it to say that she's a kindred who led a certain mortal, one could almost say cult. Hmm. I've never actually met her. I think Jonathan might have seen her. So, Philia did. Philia like, did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Philia did. Jo- Chase Jonathan did. and Ophelia are missing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. And, well, you know, if you boys are going to check out these uh, brothers, let me give you a tip. Hmm. 
they've got uh, friends, and I do like little air quotes when I say friends, who hang out at their home when they're away to keep an eye on the place. They're very loud individuals, and they, the brothers are very concerned that noise complaints might bring the authorities down on them, so use that if you want. Sure, sure. Do you think they still have, or they still expected some dealings with Jonathan? Could use that. I think that they had something in mind. They had some long-term plan, but what it is, I don't know. But I can try and find out. Could be useful to play that angle. Anyway, I hope Look. you enjoy the rest of your evening. Yes, I'll leave you both to it. But before I go, I want to know one thing. Huh? How did you, how did you make this connection with Duncern to begin with? What What's, connection? How did you know he was involved in all this? His name kept popping up when we did, when we were doing other investigations, hmm. and of course we got a text from a from Ophelia herself. Uh, well, let's say he's he's an infamous figure on a group in general. We've met him before. It's Matt is a well, yeah, I suppose we met him. Okay. I've seen him at other times. Fair enough. He's yeah. a despicable sort of person. Yeah. He's uh he has an effect on his surroundings. Did you hear about his hobby? What's that? Oh, sort of uh, le lean in, you know, just really little children. Um, can I roll like self-control to determine like how well Lenny is able to kind of process that without, you know, yeah. showing his yeah. like just the thought of that being a thing. Yeah. I would say difficulty five sound good to you. Because uh, it's just him trying to maintain control yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as he's yeah. responding and not like showing any kind of. Because he doesn't want these guys to know his weakness. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's a weakness to have empathy, but yeah, I know what you mean. You don't want to show your cards. So one success to okay. not, you know, show his. Uh, his anger, just the immediate like response, like children, he's into children, you know, that kind of thought that goes into his mind. Yeah. All right. Seems back on you guys. Because again, remember his own ghoul and how he feels about him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Lenny is a fucked up individual. <laughs> you know what I mean? He hates it, but then he like, yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. That's uh that's a, um, a precarious, uh, a, an interesting situation there. Definitely. So go ahead. Seems back on you guys. So right. maybe uh, there's like a little bit of a tenseness in him when you say that. And he says, really? It's unfortunate, but yeah. Didn't seem to be kindred. Nope. Hmm. Cool as far as I know. All right. I'll keep it in mind. If I find out anything else, you want to hear about it, I suppose? Yes. That'd be nice. Uh, I don't believe I gave you my phone number. 
probably like take out a you know car and okay you have a guard okay i'll take it of course he does <laughs> of course he does all right i'll take it and uh well i'll bid you a good evening i'll let you know if i find anything interesting uh good luck with those brothers hopefully we won't need it oh and uh be careful they do have some connections with the police don't worry he's rich he can just buy them off Huh. Where it's so easy. Now, before we switch the scene, by the way, I don't know if any of you listening or watching or any of you guys picked up that name Burroughs, but that was the same detective that Jonathan had, Dirty Cop, which I thought was... So before I ask each of you three what is going on in your heads, Lenny, you get a text message when you start walking off and you flip your phone and it's from Gerald and it says, good job, you know? And like, just like to show that he was watching the conversation as it was going on. I mean, I invited him to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's just letting you know, good job. Okay, so I'm going to ask each three of you how you feel. Lenny, how do you feel walking away from the conversation? Like, what, what's going on in your head? Um, These guys are really gung-ho with, uh, with finding out anything on their friends. And they are probably going to be really easy for Lenny to uh, like just bringing them information like this if this is what he found out with just one day of just following some guys like this is going to get them to appreciate his usefulness it's like it's going to be really easy to integrate himself here so he's like mm, that was a lot easier than I thought it would be <laughs> it's like your first uh you get like a base hit in your first at bat in the big leagues you know what i mean and it's like you're kind of like oh, okay i might maybe i belong here so yeah definitely now one final question for you before i ask the other two their thoughts hearing in a because they didn't get into details but hearing in a roundabout way somewhat of a confirmation about duncern and what you found out through your investigations you know especially dealing with that uh, golden retriever you you know you hid that abroad you know what i mean that that brought out that emotions in your in your um head but in my mind this is maybe like a first true test for lenny now i think out of character i think lenny <laughs> failed the failed a test with the, with ghouling coach olsen you know what i mean but i mean like what i mean in test i mean like now you because you know in a way when you were looking at roman you were looking at it in um professional manner right i mean you were looking at him like i got to get information about this individual got to gather the information share the information but now you've kind of got confirmation a little bit about what you suspected roman might be into does that in a way in the back of lenny's head like shake that professionalism a little bit you feel what i mean that neutrality maybe that oh he had? yeah yeah no no he like he is already fantasizing the 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 scene where he beat the hell out of coach olsen but with this other guy just that that holding that power over them be like oh you like doing this to kids well how do you like having it done to you you know just that he's already like in his in the back of his mind just has this just dark fantasy playing in his mind of just hurting him definitely definitely okay i just want to because that's gonna be interesting to explore you know what i mean because now you know you scored this small victory but now you're you have distractions you know you got that base hit but now you're gonna be going against some mvp pitcher you know what i mean the distractions are more the pressure is more and whether or not you're gonna to have to you're gonna be able to accomplish um the mission so that's good that's what i was interested in katow 
before we, you know, um, before you and William leave in the car, what's going on in your head after this conversation that just happened? Because you kind of were given a wealth of information, you know? Yeah, so now he's definitely feeling that, okay, that he was he was worried that he wouldn't, he would, that the night would go by without any more leads. But now he, with all the information, he's like, yes, we have a solid lead. We're going to go over there. We're going to. You know, shake shake them down for information and see maybe if they know who you know who took. They find out who did take uh, Carlos and his girlfriend and just see like this. Like, you know, this is a fixable solution. This is a fixable problem. So he's like, we're on our way to fix it. So he feels good about you know being able to say that. Hey, you know, this is something I can handle. Now, one more one question before I move to William. You're under the assumption that they may have been taken, right? Um, yes. You don't have any confirmation or anything to 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 conflict it, but just saying that's a the assumption yes. you're working on. When you're now that you have like a trail to follow, are you looking at him like a possession now? Like now you have a way to get him back, or is there still a remnant of like you kind of know these people? You know what I mean? Like like I think what... that that he, that the part of him still feels like yeah, just, just to help these people deal with, because you know we went through the trouble of getting Carlos out of. We had staked him and left him. And said, "Hey, you know, you what was and that all that time ago? Like, now it's like, well, I did so much work to keep you alive in the first place. Stay alive." And now, but but like he's trying to remind himself it's all about you know what we can use him for. He's trying he's trying to make himself you know see them more as possessions. In a way, it's like Jonathan left his mark on you a little bit. You know what I mean? Like in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely it's a different tone, you know, the way you handle and everything like that. But I think that, like, if Jonathan was there and saw your reaction to all this, that, like, you and him, man, may very well be, you know what I mean? That, like, had similar train of thoughts, you know, just on how to handle the situation. So definitely interesting insight. Thank you. And plus, also, Carlos had a pretty shitty fucking time being a kindred, especially compared to you guys. Carlos didn't have 20 years to shoot the shit and be pamp. You know what I mean? And all this stuff. Carlos was thrown into this situation. I had no idea what the fuck he was. And yeah, all that that happened in the first two story arcs. So it's definitely not like an easy road that Carlos has walked. Finally, William, what's going on in William's head at the moment now that you had this conversation, especially the introduction of a new kindred and Lenny and kind of realizing that this guy's helping you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like kind of crazy. So what's going on in your head? Uh, this might sound weird, but I think William would almost be giddy at the prospect of, you know, just getting into terrain and, you know, doing work, so to speak, and uh, finally getting to the, uh, you know, just really having a lead. You know, I saw a little bit of William that I saw way back when Roman Dunstern was first introduced. For those of you who don't remember, the whole reason why the group went and talked to William Dunstan was because, <laughs> because William had botched a role doing finances and Dunstan took some of his finances in like some kind yeah. of corporate like battle. So he planted the bu- bug in the group like, I think Dunstan might be responsible for these murders. We should go check yeah, him out. Part of it was actually because we had to check out Dunstan with Ophelia because mm-hmm. of yeah. a debt we owed to the Tremere. Yeah. And I was like, maybe if I pushed the group to go there, we could, you know. And that opened this whole can of worms, yeah. then, you know. Yeah. Now, I saw a little sign of that with the Lady in Red because, um, you know, no facts of this lady of red or no. Yeah. None. No, you know no. what I mean? They're like, I'm listening to this and I like I saw the that William from way back where he's like, Oh yeah, she's a kindred. Oh yeah, she led this cult. Like like he was like trying to give solidity to 
yeah. to a figure to get people to try to reach his goal and find out more. So he gave, instead of saying, I liked how you handled, by the way, instead of saying, there's this mythological lady in red who Ophelia probably saw. My guts tell me that she, you know, he like gave it structure. I was like, I think this is a potential person. I mean, obviously, why would Jonathan have it on his board, even though Jonathan was yeah. going down his own route of madness? You know what I mean? So it's like, I liked, I saw the old William come up a little bit and how you say keeping busy like this is keeping the waves at bay. Like, like I get now where you're saying, yeah, we're doing stuff. We're getting stuff done. Like, this is like, I can't, I don't have time to think about losing my mind because I'm like doing yeah. this right now. God forbid what happens when this is done or when you find the answers. Only time will tell. Warren. You are on your knees looking at this young man, the remnants of his face and the odd contour of his body right now. And comes a moment where like slowly, like you're recollecting yourself and like, it's almost like peeling back a curtain and seeing like a big picture at the end. And you're just trying to like focus and realize what happened. And then you just hear this scream that can only happen from a boy entering manhood, meaning while his voice may be deep, especially when he talks amongst friends and tries to act like a man among his peers. Really, he's still just a boy inside. And you hear this high-pitched scream of fear and just madness coming from behind you. And you turn and you look. And even like when you turn your head, like you can hear slight spatters of the like coagulated blood that's still slowly dripping off your chin, like hitting the brick of the wall that's right next to you and you look and you see like that other boy that was with this victim of yours is standing there and he's like in total shock like he is not even able to get his motor functions to react to the fight or flight part of his body of his mind he's literally just frozen in fear and shock as he's staring at this monster that is like staring at him who's face bottom of his face is covered like in war paint who has his blood coming down this like blue turtleneck of his like that's going down that's splattered and these blood that he can that's dripping from these hands as just and he's on his knees looking at him what are you gonna do warren has no choice he's going to get up and rush the kid you get up and you rush upon the kid and you jump on him i'm not gonna make you roll a self-control roll because you are sated and you just had one but he the kid falls and he like his head smacks. He hit a soft plat, like 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 the sound of almost like a like a egg kind of hitting the ground as his head like hits the ground and bangs up and it falls. And you could kind of see like his eyes, his dilate, his 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 pupils dilate right away, like he got concussed from that. And you're straddled on him, holding his shoulders down, and you're looking down at him. And you could tell like these eyes can't focus on you. Like these eyes are like looking at can't comprehend can't focus like he's like barely in consciousness because you tackled him so hard you know what i mean that his head hit the ground like that and you look down you see like this blood from your chin just like you know hitting his face a little bit what are you gonna do warren's gonna turn on heightened senses he's gonna take a look around the alleyway to see if there's any witnesses you look around, you know, like, and you're really tapped into that predator side. Like the beast is really tapped in right now. And you look and you kind of like, or take a second and you see, you hear like, again, like, like the, the, the groaning a little bit from the boy as he's like trying to fight to stay conscious. And you're looking down the alley and you just see, you don't see anything really. You just saw one car pass by and you're kind of looking at the other end. You're listening. You just kind of hear like a dog barking, like in a distant, a distant house, or you hear like, 
bugs and crickets chirping from the lawns that are, you know, on the other end of the alley, but you don't hear or see anyone. Warren breaks the kid's neck. <sighs> Man. All right. I need a conscience roll, please. Difficulty eight. Zero successes. Had to happen. You know, mm-hmm. it had to happen at this point. You look down at him. And while the remnants of the guilt for that other boy that happened, you knew this had to happen for clan, for the family, for the organization, for your own survival. I mean, God forbid if Cynthia found out about this. God forbid the leadership of the city found out. God forbid your peers found out. This had to happen. And you think that as you get up and you slowly walk out of the alley. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city?
Neon Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. <laughs>